This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 55, The Mysterious Death of Christopher Case By all accounts, Christopher Case was a man who valued few things more than his own physical and intellectual well-being. This small market radio DJ from Richmond, Virginia, was highly regarded among friends, family, and listeners alike. He was described by many as quick-witted, highly complex, and extremely health-conscious. Unsatisfied with a career merely playing music for others, Christopher made the jump in his early 30s to a career in producing for the Muzak Holdings Company in Seattle, Washington. He would spend the next several years traveling all over the country in service of producing the soft background music that we all associate with rides in an elevator or long waits in a doctor's office lounge. While he was a popular guy with a solid friend group and maintained lasting contact with many of his friends from back home, this extensive travel itinerary and his introverted nature seemed to have ruled out any serious intimate relationships. Because of this, he was seen as a bit of a loner. Close friends would recall instances where he simply laughed off the idea of being set up on a blind date. He was the kind of man who would much rather spend an evening at home alone, accompanied by his favorite records, than out on the town. He was a live-and-let-live kind of guy, who was rarely bothered by others, and even less commonly the source of bother for them. It was this defining quality that would stick in the minds of those who knew him when considering the events of a bizarre week in the summer of 1991. In the early hours of the morning on Thursday, April 18th, the police found Christopher dead in his home. He sat peacefully in his empty bathtub, fully clothed, kneeling and leaning his head against the wall beneath the showerhead. While the lack of signs of struggle or forced entry supported the initial theory of a death by natural causes, even a cursory pass over the rest of the apartment made it very clear that something bizarre, something other, was obviously involved here. The initial search of the home revealed a vast array of crucifixes spread throughout, an impressive collection of books on the occult, and a thick line of salt poured around the entire perimeter, soft Gregorian chant played on stereos throughout the apartment. Despite the bizarre scene, the coroner quickly determined that 35-year-old Christopher had succumbed to heart failure. As confounding as these circumstances were, investigators had no idea that it was merely the first thread being pulled in an extraordinary series of events that transpired over the final weeks of Christopher's life. 
It wasn't long after his death that stories from friends and acquaintances began pouring in. Several sources confirmed that in his final week, Christopher had made a habit of calling at all hours of the night in a panic. He was convinced that he was being stalked by something that he could not describe, that it was intent on his death, and that it would succeed very soon. Originally ruled a death by natural causes, in light of these accounts, investigators began to pursue the possibility of more nefarious circumstances. It wasn't long at all before the investigation revealed a set of terrifying truths. Just seven days before his death, Christopher went on a business trip to San Francisco where he met with a group of music industry executives. It was on this trip that he met a beautiful woman, some 20 years his senior. They spent several nights drinking and discussing their shared love of music from the ancient world. Somewhat inexperienced in the ways of romance, Christopher was taken aback when the woman repeatedly made it clear that she intended to be taken home by him. He reported to friends that he found her extremely attractive, but he was made nervous by her unabashed intensity. Because of this, he turned her down. He made it clear that he thought it best for them to go their separate ways at the end of the night. Christopher was shocked when the woman flew into a rage. She slammed what was left of her drink on the table and proclaimed in a low, growling voice that she was a witch, that she didn't tolerate rejection. She stood slowly from the table and leaned over him, muttering in a language that he did not recognize. Confused and a little bit amused by her theatrics, Christopher asked what the hell she was doing. She explained in no uncertain terms that she had cursed him for spurning her advances. She leaned in close and whispered, You'll be dead within a week. While he admitted later that this was quite unsettling, he was a rational guy. He assumed that the odd woman had simply had a bit too much to drink and made a fool of herself. He shrugged it off and headed back to his hotel room. The next morning, he caught a flight back to Seattle and relayed this bizarre encounter to his close friend, Sammy. His friend agreed with his assessment and wrote it off as nothing more than a crazy story about a bar meetup gone wrong, and they both forgot about it. That is until two days later on April 14th, when Christopher called Sammy in a panic. He explained frantically that he hadn't been able to sleep the previous night. He claimed that he had been kept awake by hushed voices that seemed to fill his apartment. He had spent the better part of the night searching for a source with no luck. These disembodied voices were accompanied by shifting shadows and the unshakable feeling of being watched all night long. Over the next few days, calls from Christopher got more frequent and more alarming. On April 16th, he called and told her that he had been attacked in the night. As someone who had never experienced sleep paralysis before, he was shocked to find upon waking that he could not move any part of his body. He quickly became convinced that he was not alone in the room. He couldn't shake the feeling that something was standing over him in his bed. Then things took a turn, a turn for the worst. Unseen hands suddenly grasped tightly around his throat. He could feel its sharp fingernails digging into the sides of his neck as the invisible assailant effortlessly lifted him straight up from his bed. He could feel the air leaving his body with no hope of replenishing itself. Just as the darkness began to creep into the edges of his vision, he was thrown hard down onto the bed below. 
Able to move once again, he sprang from his bed and raced to the bathroom to splash water in his face. Feeling a little more like himself, he was then shocked to see a trail of blood drops on the floor leading back to where he had come from. After noticing blood in the towel in his hands, he finally found the source. Ten identical small cuts on the end of each of his fingers. When he returned to his bed, he found bloodstains surrounding where he'd been lying on the sheets. This terrifying encounter seems to be where Christopher decided to draw the line. Desperate for a solution, or at the very least an explanation, the next morning he sought help in a religious bookstore named Evangel Incorporated. The store's manager, Rodney Higuchi, would later recount his experience with Christopher to the police. Quote, He came in in a huff. He was obviously upset about something. He walked around the store like he was on a mission. After a few minutes, he found a shelf of crucifixes, crosses. He just started snatching them up, ten or twelve of them, I'd say. He seemed kind of frantic. He was obviously in trouble. I asked him how he planned to use the crucifixes, and he just let the whole story out. Said he was under attack by spirits or ghosts or a curse. He couldn't seem to decide which it was. He said that he would use the crosses to defend himself. I tried to calm him down. I told him this sort of thing is more common than he'd think. I recommended a few books on fighting witchcraft. He seemed to calm down a little once he had a plan, but those eyes... I'll always remember. He was determined, but more than that, he was terrified. End quote. That day, through some quick reading and research, Christopher developed a plan. He positioned crucifixes and white candles throughout his apartment. The entire space was enclosed in a poured line of salt with small piles in each corner. He took notes on battling evil spirits on post-its and left them scattered throughout. The few friends that interacted with him directly during this time described him as unrecognizable. The formerly put-together young man had become obsessed with the seemingly supernatural threat that tormented him. Lack of sleep and nutrients began to take their toll. He hadn't attended work in two days now. Friends and colleagues recounted the fear so obvious in his voice when they would call to check on him. All that he had experienced would pale in comparison to the events of the evening of April 16th. Unfortunately, reports of what occurred exactly that night are spotty. But whatever did occur was alarming enough that it drove Christopher from his home. He spent the remainder of the night in a local hotel... Because of this departure, Sammy was unable to reach him the next morning. Alarmed by his disappearance, she enlisted the help of the local police department who conducted a welfare check at his home. Police! Open they later up. reported back to Sammy, telling her that they had found the doors locked and they were unable to gain entry. Being across the country back in Virginia, Sammy had no recourse other than to wait for Christopher to contact her. Later that evening... She returned home to find a message on her answering machine. She had no idea at the time that this would be the last time she would ever hear her friend's voice. The tone of his voice was not what she had quickly grown accustomed to over the last couple of days. There was an unsettling stillness in his tone. 
He calmly explained that the night before had been a close call. They'd nearly got him. He went on to tell Sammy, quote, I sincerely doubt that I will remain on this earth come tomorrow morning. End quote. But Sammy wasn't the only person on Christopher's call sheet for that day. He spent a reported three hours in conversation with a local Catholic priest, and later in the day returned to the religious bookstore, Evangel Incorporated. During his second visit to the store, he was said to be dragging his feet, desperate and exhausted. He calmly pleaded with the manager for further advice on defending himself, and was given yet another list of book recommendations. He left the store over an hour later, seeming slightly more optimistic. No one can say that Christopher didn't put his best foot forward in whatever warfare was being waged within the walls of his two-bedroom battlefield. But despite this incredible effort, he was felled by this Fortean phenomenon on the night of April 17, 1991. The official cause of death was myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscles that short-circuit the heart's electrical system and causes a sudden and often permanent seizing of the organ. While this disease is actually most often found in people aged 20 to 40, and frequently affects otherwise healthy individuals, there are reasons that the friends and family of Christopher Case have difficulty in accepting this theory. Firstly, there are a host of symptoms that are considered common precursors to a myocardial attack. Difficulty breathing, chest pain, fatigue, and general flu-like symptoms in the weeks leading up. Christopher experienced none of these. By all accounts, he was as physically healthy as he had ever been in the time before his death. We cannot ignore the fact that Christopher was not known to believe in the paranormal in any way, shape, or form. He led a perfectly normal life, based on rational, material ideas of reality. How could he go from this perfectly standard baseline to obsessed neurotic paranoia in a matter of days? Then there is the most shocking aspect of this story. Christopher openly predicted his own death. Multiple friends reported conversations where he explained this predicament, where he spoke frantically about his impending doom. He gave dates. He knew when he would die on the 17th. And on that day, he told Sammy on her answering machine that he would not survive the night. And that is exactly what happened. It is impossible to know exactly what occurred that terrible, mystifying week in April of 1991. Whatever happened, it's hard to argue with the experiences reported by Christopher Case. He was absolutely convinced that he had become entangled in some paranormal horror story, a series of events so shocking that his heart proved unworthy of the task. Determining whether these encounters existed on the material plane or not cannot alleviate the tragic despair put upon Christopher's survivors. The loss of their friend, their brother, their son, will be felt forever. As to the mystery of his death, it is likely that we will never have a clear and decisive answer. Maybe it's better to simply take in his experiences, admire the honor and determination that he displayed in his final days and pray that whatever happened, his family and friends are able to find some peace. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling, 
We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now an ad break. Hey there, campers. My name's Kimmy. And my name's Ryan. We've noticed you stumbled upon our mystical campfire, so that means there's a solid chance you have some questions. Like... Why am I here? What's going on? And why are there cryptid and folklore creatures everywhere? And should I be worried about the Mothman dressed as a camp counselor swooping down to steal my s'mores? Well, you've stumbled upon the Alorian Campgrounds. Alorian is a folklore podcast where every episode we dive into the history and lore of different creatures and cryptids you see wandering around these campgrounds. And during each episode, we discuss the sightings, encounters, poems, history, fun, facts, and pop culture focused on our campfire topic that week. We hope through shared experience we can learn and make light about all the unknown corners of the universe. So come take a seat around the campfire, make yourself at home, and listen to Alluring Today anywhere podcasts are heard. Or watch videos on YouTube, or even go to our website, alluring.com. That's A-L-O-R-E-I-N-G dot com. And now the debrief. All right. Well, another week. We have the case case. Yes. Yes, Christopher Case. <laughs> so what what I mean, what are your initial thoughts? Sounds like it might have just been a heart attack. You think so? Yeah. Like you can have a random like massive heart attack out of nowhere with no pre like pre like existing uh, like symptoms, you know? Yeah. Like be completely fine and then suffer a yeah. massive heart attack that instantly kills you. That's true. And that's one of the, you know, many crazy things in life. So like, that's what I kind of assume initially, especially that being kind of the initial thought to, um, something heart related at least. Right. But yeah, that, that's what I assume. But there are definitely some weird things, like the fact that he predicted it down to the night. Yeah, that's the that's the other weird thing, and the fact that she said, you will die in one week. Yeah. And literally a week later, dude's yeah. over here dead. So, yeah. yeah. And a pretty odd way, like, place to have a heart attack. You know what I mean? Like, he was... Like, whoa. <laughs> So what was he doing? Was he just like going into the bathtub to chill? Was he hiding? I don't know. Like, was he about to turn on the shower and then decides to get in? Die instead? Like, no, he was, he was like fully clothed in the bathtub. That's what I'm saying. So let's, let's go back to that scene. So he's actually sitting in the bathtub, right? Or is he like hunched over inside of it? Okay. So he's He's kneeling. yeah, kneeling with his like head leaned against the wall under the under, under the, the shower, shower head. head. Right. Yeah. And fully clothed. Yeah. So like maybe he was like maybe he had a leak or something, he was working on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um maybe that was uh he in a book he read, maybe the, he read that the bathtub was his safe space. Sure. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's really no way of knowing exactly what happened, but like, it's definitely odd. Right. You think if he had, you know, a random heart attack that killed him, he, would, like, what the hell was he doing? Yeah. 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 That. That. I mean, that's a good. That's a good. A good point. And, you know, a fair question as well. Like, why would he be in that position in the first yeah. place? 
Um, but also, like, you know, take into consideration everything else, all the crucifixes, the, like, salt perimeter around, you know, mm -hmm. his entire apartment or house, whatever. Um, yeah. Was there, and I don't remember if it was stated or not, was there, like, a perimeter around the bathroom at all? No, or it was just around like, the... Yeah, it was around, like, every interior edge of the apartment. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, I know what you were thinking, because that's what I was thinking at first. Like, maybe the bathroom was, like, his last bastion. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But, no. Okay. It was, I mean, it may have been anyway, but the salt was around the entire perimeter. Like, maybe, What a weird scene to come into. Yeah. As, like, yeah, a right. policeman, you know? All the salt, the crosses, the music. He had like Gregorian chant. Yeah, and then the you find this guy and... kneeling in his bathtub, just yeah, gone. That yeah, that'd be that'd be tough to come back from. Yeah. So not to mention he weekend. had like <laughs> right. Not to mention he had like weird little post its all over the apartment yeah. with like tips on fighting demons, basically. Very odd. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not oh, really yeah. versed in, you know, like witch curses or anything. So, me neither. <laughs> I don't. Maybe that's like a common thing that they do, though. You know, yeah, place maybe. post it notes around the room and yeah, kneel in bathtubs. <laughs> I'm not sure about the kneeling in bathtubs <laughs> thing. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I'm just you know I'm like, I don't know, man. That's maybe he was praying. See that that know. was the that was the other thing I was gonna say is like maybe he was in there like uh you know it's more of like a confined area that yeah you know maybe a set you know maybe like one of the things was like find a really tight you know tight area um you know whatever and like yeah pray a smaller space to defend exactly um yeah you know something but yeah it's just so weird now. Alright, so going back to everything before, um, you know, like leading up, this guy obviously was never a believer in paranormal or anything like that. Um, at least never claimed to you know, be interested in any of that. He was yeah, also... Yeah, no, he was a full normie. Right. A loner, you know, really kept to himself outside of, like, his friend group and stuff like that. Never cared to date or anything. Yep. So for him to go on this business trip, and meet this meet this girl like i'm i'm impressed i i'm impressed like the fact that he didn't take her up on you know like yeah. it sounds like he's probably not like had any type of you know action at all <laughs> uh in a very long time i'm assuming if ever yeah you know like man that <laughs> i i don't think like a normal person would turn that down yeah yeah that's the general consensus is that like I don't know maybe he just wasn't interested in like intimate relationships at all but like he definitely didn't have any right yeah, just so for for him to turn her down and then obviously you know she was not accustomed to being turned down um, yeah. you know it sounds like that's probably nothing uh, that's ever happened to her before yeah. Um, you know, so I I don't know like maybe she was a witch, maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was trying to like really throw him off or something. But the fact that like 
that like curse and stuff and she's like chanting or you know like whispering in this other like language and other and everything um yeah. you know and like the fact that she specifically says that you know he's going to die in a week is very specific now yeah my my question here was did he tell someone that she had said that or yep as as part of the original story that he told his friend Sammy when he got home, he told her all about it, and yeah, including right. the detail that she had said he was going to die in a week. All right. Yeah, and then he reiterated that over and over again throughout the week leading up to the day of, he leaves the message on her answering machine saying, like, I'm not going to last the night. Well, yeah, I mean, he's at he's at the end of the week. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously if he's buying into it and he's hearing and seeing all these things, you know. Yeah. Uh, I would feel like that's a pretty fair, you know, fair assessment at that point. Like, she gave him that time period and, you know, he's already experiencing everything that he's dealing with. Um, Which actually takes me back. Uh, so when there was that point where he was what awoken in bed by like the feeling of like uh, unseen hands around his around his yeah. neck and pulled from the bed and thrown, you said yeah. that he had he had blood on him. Looked down to find that each of his fingers were cut on the ends. Yeah, yeah, he had like small a small like identical little cut slash on the end of each fingertip. So what do we think of that? I mean, that's... <clears throat> it's interesting. I like, I wonder if he... Go ahead. I was going to say, because what, what would have caused that, first of all? Um, unless maybe this was something in his head, like, and he, like, caused, you know, physical harm to himself. Um, maybe he grew some claws... Um, you know, something made its way out of like his fingertips. What? Like, why would there be <laughs> why would there be cuts on his fingertips? That to me is just yeah. so weird. See, I often wonder, especially when you get into like the details and focus on them, I wonder if he had some kind of psychotic break. Right. Yeah. That week. See, and, and that's that's what kind of what I'm saying too is yeah. Maybe he was doing the shit to himself, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like Tyler Durdening it. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. First rule. Right. Um, like, so maybe he like cut his fingertips and, you know, to him that never happened. Right. He right. He's like, yeah. See, and that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe that's what a lot of this came down to. Maybe because he had that psychotic break he was under such duress and like stress and anxiety and everything else that entire week he worked himself up so much that eventually led to the like a, a massive heart attack. heart attack right yeah yeah i mean that definitely could be the case but like who's to say that that wasn't the curse you know that's what i fair. mean yeah that's definitely fair that like triggered the psychotic break. Yeah. The yeah, basically just causing him to see and deal with and experience all these things, and you know, just basically having like putting it in his head. Yeah. 
It's it's weird with curses. Every time we talk curses, I I know I feel like so out of depth because I still haven't learned well, anything about them. See, I I feel like we we've at least we're at least a little further than we were one of the last times we actually like really dove into curses. Um, yeah, you know so and especially like with the help of of other like people commenting and and providing like a little bit of insight and everything um you know so you know like i i i picture this as you know specifically like a hex or something you know more so and and again i i don't know if i buy the authentic like the authenticity of it um yeah. you know like being that it was real or something but more so like something that just really messed with them yeah it definitely um, could be the case and like who's to say that isn't what a curse actually is right right Where you just get in someone's head and yeah it I mean, becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah unless i mean unless you buy into like full magic and things like that then i think like a curse and hex things like that can definitely be real sure. but you know if you know if we're looking at just this this one-sided thing where without like that being a possibility right then yeah, yeah. I, su- I suppose that could be the you know the same with everything and you know that general uh you know general thing like curses hex is um yeah you know whatever right i think if it's i think if it's like if a curse is basically just worming your way inside someone's psyche and changing things I feel like that's just as real as if it was, you know, quote unquote magic. True. Right? It's still like just as powerful. I mean, it, it's manipulation at that point. Yeah. But, you know, some can argue that manipulation is, is magic. Yeah. It's, it's an art, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that could very, that could very well be the case. And I think, in a lot of in a lot of these you know instances where we're talking about these things, I think it is simply that it's the fact that someone is so vulnerable that they allow like these people or you know whatever to get into their head and, and manipulate them exactly, and so and then it just becomes you know becomes a real thing uh, because yeah, they've allowed I- themselves and opened themselves up to it. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that. I think a lot of it is, you know, human beings trying to make sense of the world. Of course. Yeah. Around them. And, and you know, you can't... Manipulation isn't something that's exclusive to people, right? Like, people are manipulated by their environment. Yeah. They're manipulated by all sorts of factors in the world. So, like, who's to say that, like, a, a UFO encounter isn't you know, your environment manipulating you for some purpose. I, right? Yeah, that's, I suppose so. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I buy that as more real, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, See, I think just that, for me, at least. I think our disconnect is, like, what the word real means. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. Like, I don't... I, I don't tend to, you know, buy the, like, nuts and bolts versions of a lot of these, but that doesn't make them any less real to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's still just as we, again, always, always talk about, it's still something that's happening. 
You know, yeah. and I, I feel like yeah. this is just a, such a regular argument or not, not even argument, but like statement that we make, right? Is that yeah. the fact that like, even if this isn't happening, the fact that it's a, being experienced, you know, gives it, yeah, gives it, it validity, real. right? Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. We do go back to that point quite often. But I feel like but we that's... talk about so many things that it brings it up, you know, and yeah. it's something it's something to just keep in mind constantly. Otherwise, yeah. it's always just like, you know, what the shit are we talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we we've kind of talked about that being pulled from the bed, possibly, you know, self-inflicted uh, wounds and things like that. I want to I want to talk about like when he went into that bookstore. Okay. The, what was it? Evangel and Ink. Yeah. Uh, with Rodney Higuchi. Yes. <laughs> Such a good name. So I like I like that he like basically opened up to this guy and just told him like everything that was going on. Yeah. I mean, I su- I weird. suppose it was a good move for him to make just to you know like so the guy could point him in the, the right the right resources and everything right but yeah like he seems like the guy that would be a little too closed off to let you know at least immediate you know outside of like his immediate group let people know but i mean so you know like something something had to have been really terrorizing different you know yeah right see that's another thing that screams psychotic break to me is him just acting completely out of character like yeah Yeah. And he does. He does over and over again. He acts in ways that make his friends and family go like, really? Like, they're surprised he would ever do a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and that's, I think that's more of where I'm leaning towards right now. Um, Again, it is tough. Especially, like, talking about just so many, so many things that kind of are you know pieces of this yeah um i i was kind of bummed that the guy all the guy does he goes in there twice and all the guy really does is like recommend some books right you know what i mean i would feel like the fact that this guy is running this store like maybe he would at least have some knowledge or be able to like you know point him to someone else that might have a little bit more of an understanding or you know something personal insight right exactly Uh, I know what I really wanted. What I really wanted was like a, like an eighties movie montage where he got trained up to fight demons. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he, he found this weird like back alley store where the guy can train him to fight off the evil forces. Like the guy locks, locks the door and, you know, closes the blinds and (laughs) brings him into the back room where it has like all like this evil fighting you know, yep. cool stuff. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I but instead like... he was like, you should check out this book. Yeah, I feel like there was a missed opportunity there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if the guy ever thought like, man, I wish I I wish I would have shown in the back room. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. He's like, I had all this great shit back there. I totally <laughs> spaced it. Sorry about that. So yeah, I mean again, it being out of character, you know, for him in this case to like literally just lay it all out for this guy. Um, but you know, I I think it was probably in his best interest to do so. Maybe not though. Like maybe that that really made matters worse too because 
Yeah. Then he's reading all this text and everything and like learning all these, you know, different things. So whether, whether or not like, you know, you buy into it or not, you know, that's still going to push him in that direction. Yeah, yeah, I know. Either like, he got better at fighting them off or he got way more paranoid. Exactly. I was going to say, I know, like, when I start to read into, you know, a lot of different things, especially, like, things that I'm already, like, you know, like a little leery of or whatever, if I start reading into it, it makes it, makes it way worse. You know? Yeah, this was like the paranormal version of going on WebMD. Yeah. And searching exactly. your symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's basically what happened here. See, I. I I think so. Like, I think that definitely... It, it went one of two ways. Because if it was if it was happening, you know, like, maybe he was given the things that he needed and he just wasn't able to carry everything out that he needed to. Yeah. Or it was really the worst thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> and just caused his psychotic break to become even more like you know, go down that path even more. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been either. That's it's it's a weird story. It's um I'm not sure what to think, honestly. I'm not sure if the guy at the store helped him or not. See, that's that's what I'm trying to decide. Yeah. Like <laughs> Because now, like, at first I was like, you know, I'm, it's probably good that he told him. Like, yeah, he, he needed to, like, get it out, somebody else, and, you know, yeah. like, give him some information to, to help out. But at the same time, like, man, maybe that maybe that's what, like, that's what really kind of made everything, just intensified everything. Real right? to him. Exactly. Yeah. And then made it real. Yeah, that's, that's what I worry about. Like, imagine... You have like a a mole and you're like, oh, that that might I might need to get that checked out. And then you like show a friend and they're like, that's definitely cancer. Definitely cancer. You're like, yeah. is that helpful? <laughs> is it helpful or not? No, because not a, not at all. Right. I mean, you know, because all that that does is makes you worry even that much worse. Yeah. Um, you know, causes the anxiety and stress levels to yep. to rise tremendously. I mean, you know, I, I deal with, like, anxiety and shit all the time, and, like, and it, it can time. go through the roof, you know, especially, like, dealing with, like, minor little things like that. Yeah. Um, but the more you think about it, and the more, you know, like, just the more, like, the thought that goes into it, and, like, the more that you, you focus on it and everything else, just the worse it becomes. And so, yeah. like... Yeah, I, I I do worry that that was the case here. I often wonder if, like, super intense focus and obsession with something is could be, like, an express lane to creating a tulpa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, you True. could give it, like, steady, um, like, scholarly focus over the course of years, like, monk style, to create a, a tulpa. Or... If you're pouring like every ounce of your your energy into it, like obsession, like you're not thinking about anything else, could you do all that? Could you create all that energy in a week? You know what I mean? Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. I I mean I feel like if it was every ounce of everything in you, yeah, 
Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, that energy's going somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely convinced that something was after him, so... I, right, he felt like he was being stalked yeah. and... So for all intents and, and purposes, he that's exactly what he did, was create a tulpa, right? Like, yeah. he died while defending himself from it, which is pretty gnarly. I mean, yeah, that's a... It's a bad way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird path. It was either that or mayochondritis. <laughs> Mayonnaise heart. Chondritis carditis. Myocarditis. Carditis. Yeah. Carditis. Yeah. There we go. Mayonnaise heart. Yes. Yeah. It gets the best of us. It really does. So, I don't know, man. Like, it's just... Like, I want to just say, 100%, you know, he, like, he suffered a massive heart attack. He had, you know, he had a shitty way to go. Uh, he was worried about this this whole thing. I just I hate that like the thing that really messes with me is she says that he'll be dead in a week. Yeah. Like unless this lady has done her homework and she like knows and finds people part specifically like with a specific type of personality and she can tell exactly where they're at like with everything, how bad their anxiety and paranoia levels are. And how she can just get to them. Yeah. And knows, like, man, if I do this this much times X to the 17th power <laughs> yeah, uh, divided by, you know, F, Y, blah, 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 I can make this guy die. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she has that so, worked out. <laughs> maybe. That's what I'm saying. Like, otherwise, how do you explain that? Magic. Or she's really good at guessing yeah it could be really good guessing (laughs) man i don't know i i honestly don't know um see that's the only part of it for me that like has me like just going back you know yeah it's definitely the prediction is is what makes this so bizarre right people talk a lot about his predicting his own death but really he was informed Right, he was exactly. gonna die, and and he was in that mindset. Right, and he you picked know, he it was up. Always still in that mindset, exactly. But, I mean, like you can you can get so paranoid and and freaked out and like have a psychotic break and all these other things. That doesn't mean you're gonna die in a week. Yeah. Like that's that's what's just so different about it. Yeah, I mean, are we talking coincidence at this point? Are we talking like, is she, like you said, just like keenly aware of who is vulnerable and who isn't? Right. That's what I wonder. Like, you know, is she able to see those things? Um, Like, maybe maybe that's her gift or her ability. Sure. But, I don't know. That's it's really it's really tough. Like like I said, that's the only that's really the only thing that's still like in my mind questioning. Because otherwise, I know what I think. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, it's just that. Yeah, I don't know how to explain that. 
Yeah, I mean, for someone who doesn't like, you know, the idea of coincidence, it's hard to get your head around it. You know, how that could just happen to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty damn, like, precise, though. Yeah, it's very precise. Or it just happened to happen. Yeah, agreed. And, I mean, another thing about this 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 um theory that it was a heart attack is he was like in, an incredibly healthy guy like right and myocarditis is sort of known for taking out people who are super healthy like athletes professional athletes just drop at like 30 years old hmm. of it and you know cuz a lot of people who read this or talk about this they're they're like there's no way it was a heart attack he was healthy and young and but like there are like you know there are like olympic sprinters who have just died just dropped dead of it suddenly with no yeah. sign that it was going to happen i mean heart failure can happen regardless of your health yeah so yeah it's i i don't i don't buy like i don't know i i don't see that like you know, those theories and everything like as being really important in this case. Some people actually connect. Um, some studies have actually connected supplements and vitamins, like overdoing supplements and vitamins to myocardial I mean, events. Yeah, if you get like too, too many of like one type of vitamin or something that can really like mess with your whole system. Yeah. Yeah. It can cause, it can cause a lot of issues. That's true. You know, if you're taking like your standard one a day, you're probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. Even taking like a balanced, you know, collection of supplements, you're probably yeah. fine. But there's no real way to know what exactly he was taking. Right. He could have taken like, you know, he could have like taken 10 times the normal dose of whatever. And it could have fucked all of his shit up. Did they ever check for any type of, like, uh, drugs or anything in his system or anything like that? Yep, he had no drugs in his system. Okay. None. Not so even. So we can't even like chalk it up to like. Yeah, not even alcohol. Well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I I think it I think it was just a massive heart attack. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think that makes the most sense. But there are just things that make me question it. Like. Like what else causes you to like, what else are you questioning about it? Okay. So with this particular heart issue, the myocardia or myocarditis, it, um, generally when it's like a big attack, one worth like one able to kill someone, they have these like flu symptoms in the time leading up to it. That's like people, not just sometimes, like the vast majority of cases where they have it, they have a flu symptoms hmm. um, and he didn't have any. Okay. So not to say but that's impossible, a, but. What about a common massive heart attack that doesn't involve those symptoms? But he didn't have the damage associated with a, with a, a normal heart attack. He had like. The muscles in his heart basically seized up. 
he didn't have like the tears and damage that happen with with normal heart attacks. Yeah, that's so. It's weird. That is weird. I mean, a small amount of people have them without any flu symptoms. That's true, but the vast majority have the flu symptoms leading up to it. Yeah. So I think it's probably still more likely that it was that and he didn't have the symptoms than like, you know, a demon from another realm reached into his <laughs> chest and squeezed his his little heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that that happened. But it just makes you think, you know. It does. I agree. I agree. Like I said, that's why I keep going back to this question of how did she know? Yeah. But I I, just, I don't think there's there we're gonna find an answer for that that's gonna be sufficient. Yeah. Also, he took her name to the grave with him. Like he never told anyone who she was or anything. I'd like to. I talk wonder to if her. he ever actually found out her name. I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe they didn't exchange names. Like maybe. Uh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't the goal of the night. Or maybe he just knew her first name, you know. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe she gave a fake name or that something. Too. Yeah. If she was you just know? trying to get like picked up, I could see using a fake name. Right. You no. Know? Yeah. That's definitely a possibility. But also, like that rejection, though. Like her reaction. <laughs> it's weird. Like, that's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. Like how how used to getting picked up easily are you that when someone rejects you you like throw a curse on them? She didn't like it. Like big or maybe and like this was her like her one night out in like the last ten years and she's like She wasted all night <laughs> on him. Without being vulgar, but you know she's out there like, you know, she's ready to get that D. Sure. And you know, like this guy, she hits it off, and she's like, "Yeah, yep, this is gonna be, this is gonna be the one." And he doesn't, and she's like, "All right, well, fucking cursed." (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't get that D. Neither do you. (laughs) I'm. It's it's a weird encounter. I'm not, she's the I think she's the weirdest character in the whole story. Like she's a mystery. Yeah. And I feel like gives a Maybe. bad name to like modern witches. I feel like a lot of witches aren't out there I cursing mean, people. Right. For not sleeping yeah, of course. with them. <laughs> That's a shitty reason to do it in the first place, yeah. but you know. I mean, maybe it's uh, if you prop go, go ahead if you proposition someone and they reject you and you say, "Well, you're going to sleep with me or I'm going to curse you," and then they agree to sleep with you, is that a great time anyway? I mean, I feel like that borders on sexual assault. I mean, at that point, it does, right? right. If, you're, if you're if it's like a threatening, oh, right, a one or the other situation, yeah, of course, yeah. It's not even giving him the option to say no. This like cougar witch from san francisco is definitely a predator maybe it's uh 
like the uh, like the movie It Follows, if you remember that movie. I do. Um, but obviously they didn't have sex, so it couldn't be passed on. But maybe it was it was something that. I guess that that wouldn't really work in this case. I was trying to build something up here. Yeah. But I don't I don't think it would work. See, I liken it more to like Red State, where she was just like, even if he'd agreed, he was gonna end up in a cage getting sacrificed I somewhere. Mean, yeah. Right, exactly. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Like this woman was probably <laughs> fucked up, period. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially to react like that yeah. and that be just, you know, Instead of a, all right, you know, your loss, whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> but like, nah, <laughs> it's like, oh man, that's my, that's, that's my impression of her. Yeah. Um, cause I, I assume it was pretty similar. It could have been similar to that, but it wasn't actually. No. Yeah. It was more like, was like, no weird in the, the pits of hell you go. <laughs> yeah. Like mumbling Aramaic at him while she's like making weird hand <laughs> symbols and She's actually like, per, like reading him off like a recipe to make like <laughs> grandma's chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> but little does he know. And then he goes home and has a fucking nervous breakdown over it. Poor guy. I really do feel bad for him. Like that that final week that he was alive sounds oh, brutal. It, it had to have been bad. Yeah. Like. I feel like he was just like slowly sinking into madness for a week. Yeah. I mean, at that point, like you're paranoid about like whether or not, you know, like this bitch is like real about it. Right. Or like, you know, was this just something she's like messing with them? Right. But like, it's going to be in the back of your mind. Yeah. For any normal person, it would be. And then it spirals. I mean, like, of course. Right. You know, like somebody might be like, haha, like whatever. It's there. But they're still going to be like, what if? Yeah. Right, and then it spirals, and then you're paranoid about your paranoia. And, yeah. I get that. Me too, dude. I've, I've been there, yeah. yeah. It's it's the worst. So You start, like, asking yourself, am I just making this worse by being right. anxious about it? And the answer is almost yeah. always yes. But there's no real way to control it. No. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, that's rough. That's that's something I'm familiar with all too well. Me too, man. Um, now I'm like getting anxious so you, about talking about anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I like that we can openly talk about on this show, though, because yeah. I feel like in a lot of cases it's just still not uh, as talk as talked about as comfortably as it should be. Yeah, especially among especially among men. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That too. That too. But despite like the ang- like the anxiety that gives us just talking about like anxiety in the first place. Yeah. Um. You know. But still. Yeah. It like I don't know talking about the details of it. Like it makes my palms sweat. Like I start getting like. Right. Yeah. I'm like antsy. I just think about that, and I'm like think about all the shit that I'm paranoid about. I'm just like, man, I'm yeah. I'm messed up. Sam. <laughs> Same dude. It's, right. it's rough. So I, I feel for, yeah. for Christopher Case. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it, it it's it's definitely I mean it's a it's a sucky story. Like yeah. 
You know, it's a shitty situation. I feel bad for him. Um, you know, because it could have been something that could have been prevented. Obviously, if it was like a full-blown curse Mm -hmm. or something where she like mentally manipulated him into developing, you know, this into basically his own death. Um, or, you know, maybe it was just his time and she was basically like a grim reaper. Ooh. That, that's an idea. Maybe she was literally just like there to let him know. Right. A harbinger of death, if you will. A messenger. Interesting. Like if she, you know, if he would have went back with her, maybe she was considering like extending you know, prolonging his life or taking him that night or or that night right yeah, yeah that's possible maybe that's why that last week he wasn't himself because oh. you know part of him was already gone that's a real thinker right yeah yeah maybe she took you know took part of him with her and then he just kind of like fell apart that last week he was basically just an empty shell of his former self. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know. All right. But there's I mean, there's there are a lot of It's funny because there there are a lot of possibilities, but it also feels fairly limited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I agree. I agree. Is it's either like was it a heart problem was it a curse was she a witch right was she basically like a human version of one of those um dogs that can smell when you're about to have like a medical issue right yeah you know yeah i mean isn't that a thing like yeah some dogs can yeah service dogs can like can, smell out yeah. you know stuff like that right yep they can smell when you're so, um when you're like serotonin levels drop or when you're you know yeah it can smell maybe, when you're about to yeah. have a seizure she could smell it on him maybe you smell like you have a week left <laughs> exactly a week <laughs> you smell expired oh man expired expired <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird one. I, I tend to lean, honestly, I tend to lean toward the fact that she just really got in his head that night and planted a seed that caused basically an anxiety spiral leading to a psycho, like a psychological break. And yeah. his heart just couldn't take it. Yep. That, that That's the, the exact, my exact take on it too. Yeah. It's, it's just hard to, to make sense of the timing. You know what I mean? Yes. That's that, Damn it. that I mean that's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Like that's that's my only question about it too. Otherwise it'd be like case closed, man. Like this yeah. is easy. If she'd even no. been like you're going to die soon. Right. I could reconcile yeah, that. Exactly. But she called it to the you know, day. Like, yeah. Which is bizarre. That's crazy. Yep. That's that's my only, oh, the only thing I keep going back on. But I'm I'm gonna stop <laughs> because 
I, I don't think we're ever going to, you know, yeah. figure out like even to make sense of it all. Right. Exactly. Like, I think it's impossible, but I think, I think she did. She got into his head, you know, caused him to spiral, spiral out of like, you know, this, uh, obviously out of his normal personality and everything. Yeah. Hit that psychotic break as because of it rather. Um, then yeah, suffers suffer some heart failure and you know, might have been trying to heat up a bath. Sure. Like you get he for some reason the way he does it, he steps into the bathtub <laughs> to turn it on. But this shoes still gets on. Right. Yeah. I mean, why not? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Like man. he got in to clean. Like to clean the tub, you know, like Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. That's a that's that's also another thing, just a weird position. Yeah, I don't know, like a lot of these mystery, these mysterious deaths and these type of cases. It nothing fits. No one theory fits everything. You know what I mean? Right. There's no one size fits all. Yeah. Yep. There's because if there was, then it wouldn't be a mystery, right? True. <laughs> Then if we would that just would be, defeat the purpose, the purpose right, of it, then this would be a true crime episode. Yeah, yeah, but we are not one of those. It's true. No, it's that's. I mean, that's the closest thing for me to making sense. So that, that's that's what I'm going with. Honestly, though, who knows? Could have been yeah. any of them. I would. Yeah, I mean, I would love to. I, I especially if anybody else has theories on this because, like. Obviously, you were over here, same mindset. There's very few things that like can really like pull from it. Yeah. If anybody else has anything to, you know, any other cool theories, you know, such as uh, possible like Reaper theories and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. If we I'd definitely be down to hear some of those. If we missed anything, if like there's some glaring mistake we've overlooked, you know what I mean? Like, let us know. Get get on the comment section on Instagram or send us a message in Discord. Something, just right. Yeah, let us know. This isn't just uh, another one of those cases of the girls from the ring, is it? I hope not. Seven days. <laughs> With that, I think that concludes episode fifty-five: the mysterious death of Christopher Case. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes we're just keeping up on our day-to-day and maybe some swag along the way it is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible again that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling with that said we want to get to know each and every one of you so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. 
It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. The brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent, R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T. All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.